Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am a very distraught Jacob Bennett. And welcome to episode 21 of the North Meets South web podcast. Let me just go ahead and start the show by explaining my distraughtness right now. I was working and just finishing up the day and cleaning up a couple things. And I was looking through a folder, my valet folder. I was like, oh, that's an old thing. I'm not using it anymore. Well, the name of the folder I was trying to delete was named golf. So I typed in geo tab for autocomplete, pressed enter, and it did not autocomplete because I have a folder named go in there, which is the folder that I was just working on. And I had not yet. That is the worst. Oh, my word. RM-RF. And so I had made my commits. I just had not yet pushed them up to GitHub. Like that's my last thing I was going to do. And oh, so now I'm just like so frustrated because I had right on all the, you know, I had probably, man, probably four or five good commits in there where I like, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, building out complete new models, migrations, model factories, tests, everything. Ah, have you so have frustrating? You got, had you at least run the migrations? I had run the migrations, so I know. So they're in. You're in MySQL, correct. yeah. So you can. There's a tool. Just, there is a tool that you can run through like SQL Pro that will reverse engineer your databases into Laravel migrations. So at least you won't have to re- redo that thing. We'll, okay, we'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, that'll at least save you that time. Yeah, and the thing is, it's an existing application. I mean, so like I have a lot of stuff written for it already. So they were like, yeah. you know, and I'm still in like development mode. So like I'm just tacking it onto the existing migrations instead of like making a new migration saying oh, like okay. add this column to this table. It's just like start over the migration kind of thing, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's not the end of the world. I just lost a day of work as opposed to like a week of work. And thankfully That's it right. didn't like hit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it would have been really bad if I wouldn't have realized it until later, until like next week and, and come back and been like, wait a second, where did that go? And then had yeah. forgotten all the stuff that I had done today. straight away. But having two folders of a similar name is a real pain. We've got a similar issue at work where we'd have our production domain and our like UAT domain that we send to customers are basically three characters different. So it's always like, you know, you, you want to go to the UAT one and it's like, um, North meets South UAT dot Media Foundry, and you end up just sitting there pressing tab, and nothing's happening because there's two things with the with the same like they both start with the same characters. Yeah. So yeah, no deletions at least, but yeah, it is frustrating. At least it was only that one directory, and not you know what I had someone do in the past was like rm dash rf, and they were supposed to do dot slash, and they missed the dot and end up blowing oh away the entire server. Gosh, <laughs> which doesn't happen as much anymore now. Like it. Those kind of things have some kind of protection in them, but yeah, yeah, could so, have been much worse. I can I can assure could you, could have been worse. Could have been worse. So we're gonna move this thing along here. So let's talk first about. We're gonna talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about some bugs that I found this week. I want to talk about some uh, things with Vue. Uh, we have a couple listener submitted questions, or um, not questions really, but uh, informational stuff. A cool app that I've been <laughs> using this week, and then. Some optional stuff we might talk about. So let's start with you and uh, your post that you did this week with Valet swapping PHP, which I'm actually going to be using this coming week. Yeah, cool. So I've, I've seen it a couple of times where people are now sort of diving down that rabbit hole that is Docker and it 
you know, the main thing is that you can containerize an application that you wrote, you know, a year ago or two years ago that's running PHP 5.6. And if you ever need to work on it, you can just spin up that, that individual Docker container. But um, in a lot of instances, you probably don't need to bring in yourself that overhead of Docker. Like we've, we've gone through the VirtualBox thing and that was very heavy, right? So that's that's full yeah, entire really, operating right. systems, right? So now Docker gives you the ability to have your operating system and then just containerize the applications on top of it. But still for a lot of people, it's over their head. It's not necessarily simple. You've got to figure out how to build up, you know, Docker files and things like that. So Valet is, is really a kind of sweet spot tool in that you can just install it and it sits there and it just works. Um, but you still want the ability, like I've run into issues in the past with some of our projects. Our production service is still on PHP 5.6, but I'm doing development on my local machine in in PHP 7. So in most cases, it's fine and tests will catch most things out. But there are just little things between 5.6 and 7 that don't work, none of which, of course, I can think of off the top of my head. But what I discovered was that it's actually really simple to just switch those PHP versions if you've got them installed with Brew. So Brew allows you to basically just link and unlink those domains, uh, those PHP versions rather, with a couple of commands. So I, I, you know, we bought this new microphone, so I thought I'd slap together a quick little screencast and and put a put it onto an accompanying blog post on my site, and uh, yeah, I had a had a good bit of traction with it. So maybe I'll just keep lulling people into false senses of security with my accent in my screencasts. Yeah, there you go. People with an accent automatically, in what's the word? Is it in gender? I don't know if in gender is the right mm. word. I don't think that doesn't sound we right. We certainly do enjoy a few things that we can get away with. So like it, like trust, like it, uh, for some reason, yeah. like an English accent or maybe even an Australian accent, maybe not so much an Australian accent, but maybe uh, like <laughs> trust, like for some reason, I don't know why your intelligence. So yeah, is I'm curious, like behind the scenes, is it basically just swapping sim links? Is, that's what it, is that what it's doing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so it's it's basically just swapping out the, the user local bin PHP. It, it just swaps it to like whatever the, the valet version is that is the specific PHP version. Cool. So you've got Homebrew, you install 7.0, you install 7.1, you install 5.6, and then you use a couple commands that you show in your screencast to uh, link or unlink or swap out which one uh, is being used, and away you go. Yep, that's it. That's all it is. And then also you got to stop. You got to stop the service before you unlink it, and then start the new service once you link that one. That's correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Pretty cool. So not too bad. Uh, and I saw you also also used uh, ASCII Cinema, which was pretty neat. So that's a yeah. We'll have to screen. We'll have to um, put that in the show notes as well. It basically records your console output and then yep. puts it into a little video, and uh, it looks really clean, really nice, and pretty mm. cool. So it was kind of handy. Yeah. Yeah. I launched finally uh, Markdown to Medium this week. I talked about it last week and said it was very not polished. And so it's still somewhat not polished, but at least put a front page on it and put a nice front face on it. Found a couple of bugs and squashed those and then threw it on Twitter Tuesday night, I think maybe something like that. Yeah, that sounds and about so, right. Yeah. So we got a couple of people uh, tweeting it, retweeting it. A guy put it on Product Hunt. It actually got featured today, which was pretty cool. So it got featured wow, on the front awesome. page of Product Hunt, which is awesome. So I got like a couple, like 130 uh, upvotes maybe. Uh, nice. I've got 131 users right now, which is pretty cool. So that's how many people have logged in and checked it out. 
not all those people have created gists. There's only like 78 gists that have been made. So, you know, people maybe just trying it out and, and seeing it. Sure. But uh, yeah, I was fairly encouraged. I didn't think they would get that much of a response really, but yeah. people seem to like it and it seems to solve a, a common pain point for anybody who's looking to develop on Medium. So, uh, or not develop, I'm sorry, but to post stuff on Medium. Yeah, yeah plenty of developers are writing on Medium. So, yeah. and, and, you know, they have all encountered that pain point. So it's, you know, I think... I said to you yesterday, you know, you've really had the right product at the right time with that. There's a lot of people that are now looking to use Medium purely because of the reach, you know, that That's you exactly tend right. to get just because it's Medium and, you know, having a way to for developers to actually write some the same quality content they've already been writing, but for it to look good and for it to be easy to do. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, I reckon. Yeah, so it's... This has only ever happened one other time where like I found like a problem and I was like, surely this is solved already. And I was like, huh, no, it's not actually. So not in, a, not in an easy way anyway. So yeah, it's it's been yeah. cool to kind of see that be used and it will be interesting to see how, how that gets used in the future. It's one of those things where like not everybody's writing a blog post right now, right? So it's not something mm-hmm. that everybody use every day, but it's one of those tools hopefully yeah. that people are aware is out there now. And uh, hopefully I'm trying to get some like SEO stuff on there. And when I say SEO, I basically mean description tag in the header. That's my, yep. you know, that's the extent of my SEO <laughs> and sharing it with a couple of people. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes and excited to have had that done. Yeah. Good luck with it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So let's see. All right. I wanted to talk about a couple of bugs that I found this week, uh, just to hopefully save our users some pain. Okay. So here's the first one. And you talked about this the other day using 5.3. Uh, it used to be in 5. whatever 1 and 2, you could do explicit route model binding. So what that means is if in you have if you have a route in your routes file, and let's say that your route is, uh, let's say user, and then you have in braces. So let's say you have user slash brace yeah, user and a brace. It's a placeholder. Thank you. Slash update or something like that. Okay. What that would do, you know, or what you could have had previously is maybe like user ID. And then the way you would have done it old school, maybe it would be in your controller. You accept that user ID and then you go look up the user. So you say user find or fail and then you'd pass in the user ID, right? So that's a little bit of yep. boilerplate that you literally have to do on every edit controller method that you ever use. So you have to look up that user ID. So mm-hmm. what they did in, in their about five, two and five, three, I think five, two, they did explicit route model binding where you could basically set up, you could say, hey, if I have a, a user placeholder there, uh, go ahead and look up that user like this. So when there's a user variable, just instead of passing through the user ID, just go ahead and go look up the user and return that. So in 5.3, they made it even better where they said, and I think I'm getting the versions right. I may be getting it wrong. I don't know for sure. <laughs> what you can do is in your controller method, let's say that you have that user placeholder, you just type hint that you're looking for a user model and then you type dollar sign user, which is the same as, you know, the same name of variable as what you have in your placeholder and your routes. Yep. And it will automatically go do that lookup for you. Yep. So it'll automatically do a find or fail. And if it can't find a user with that ID that's being passed in, it will just return a 404, which is really handy. And I use it all the time now. I mean, whenever I can, yeah. it saves, you know, at least a couple lines of code in, in every controller edit method, which is awesome. So I use it quite a bit. What I discovered this week though, is I was trying to run a test and I wanted to run it without middlewares because I, I had a thing where they needed to be logged in in order to be able to do this, perform this certain action. So I said, without middleware on my test, 
And I, long story short, found out the implicit route model binding does not work without middlewares turned on because in the middleware stack, it has, I think it's called swap bindings or something like that is the name of the middleware that's being used that actually handles the implicit route model binding. Yep. So if you're using implicit route model binding, do not use without middleware for your tests. That was bug number one. Not bug. It's it's exactly how it should work. It's just, yeah. it messed me up for a while. <laughs> Second thing with implicit route model bindings, if you are trying to, let's say that the view that you're going to be pulling in has a relationship on it. So let's say you're pulling in that user and you have a contacts relationship uh, that that user has. So it has like maybe a hundred contacts, right? And you want to load that up before you get to your actual view. You want to do like a eager load, if you will. The way that you would do that if you were querying is you would say user colon colon find one and then you'd say with contacts or whatever the name of the relationship is. Mm -hmm. And that would go ahead and eager load those contacts onto your user so that when you get it passed through to the view, you already have those contacts loaded up. If you're using implicit route model binding, you cannot use, you can't do like dollar sign user with contacts because it's already loaded. It's not building a query. It already has the model. So you have to call load instead of with. Yep. So load will automate. It's actually in that case, it's like lazy loading. So you say load and then you name the relationship and you can do queries on that relationship as well. So like you only want contacts that have an email. You can say load array contact equals and then you pass a closure with a query and you can say query where email is not null. Yeah. And then it'll return all your contacts that have an email. So anyway, yeah, I learned that the hard way too. So not with it's load. If you have an eager, yeah. if you have a uh, implicit Implicit route model binding on there. I came across not not the same issue, but I did come to the same realization about the width versus load. Yeah. In a project that I was working on this week. But I also found that load runs a slightly different query to what width does. Okay. So if I was within a controller method running, you know, user colon colon find with contacts, it would run one query. If I did the load, it would use like a where in as ah. opposed to I'm pretty sure the the eager load one was doing a, you know, where ID equals. Yeah. So I think um, I, and I didn't get a chance to dig too much further into it, but I'm, I'm reasonably sure they run slightly different queries, which may have unpredictable results. Okay. Yeah. So be aware. So uh, two things to be aware of there. The last one has to do with view. So I had, and this had, we can talk about this a little bit later too, but I had a need to be able to, in a child component, emit an event that the parent was going to listen for. Mm -hmm. So I was emitting an event and on the parent where I was including the template, I was doing a V on and saying, hey, when you see this event happen, when you see a contact change, go ahead and run this method. Well, I named the event contact change with a camel case. So it was contact change with the uppercase C for change. And I could not figure out why it was not firing. And then I learned that, and I don't know why, it's not necessarily spelled out in the docs. None of the doc examples have camel case. And I'm just assuming that it has to do something with how like HTML data attributes work and stuff where it's like the camel case versus kebab case. Mm. And anyway, when I was using a event in view that was named with camel casing and it had an uppercase letter and I was trying to listen for that event, it would not fire. Wouldn't do it. Right. So I'm using all lowercase events in view for anything from now on for forever, forever. (laughs) So there's that. So those are my three little pieces of advice that should hopefully save you some headache, hopefully, down the road if you do any of those things. 
And uh, yeah, lessons learned the hard way. Nice. I haven't blogged about them yet, which I would like to because I always end up coming back to those things where I'm like, oh, what was that one problem I had that one time? But yeah. uh, now it's on a podcast. At least now you have an audio record of it. Exactly, exactly. So how about you? What have you been uh, What have you been up to this week? What have you been working on? Anything fun? Um, <laughs> kind of fun, fun in like air quotes, right? Air quotes, yeah. <laughs> We've been doing some work with... Um, Google Cloud Storage, uh, and oh, we were doing right. it as well last week. So that, it's been an ongoing thing where the amount of data that we're starting to process through our media streaming platforms is getting into the terabytes range, and we're not we're not really equipped to. Like, I mean, we, you know, we could add more storage, right? But we're not really equipped to to deal with that volume of data. We're more about you know pushing the bandwidth. So we've started decoupling our transcode platform and starting to push the source material and then the transcoded variants out onto Google Storage. But if anyone has ever used Google Storage, it is not necessarily a pleasant development experience. You know, if you're if you're planning on just using it to async, to copy some files up to the cloud or whatever, it's, it's fine. You can just drag and drop that with a, you know, in the, in the web interface. But the documentation around the JSON APIs and things like that are pretty poor. Like there's a very heavy focus on using their Python GSU tool, like command line utility to do things. Okay. And, and a lot of that is like, here's the command you run and here is the JSON payload that that generates. So there was a lot of issues around, you know, how to actually craft the right thing, what was actually a required field, different properties that you send and those objects have different meanings at different times i found authentication isn't really clear cut and uh, the sdk that google provides is not necessarily feature complete with some of the things you can do with the api so then it's you know how, figuring out how to do with whichever astronaut put that together with all of its gosh I've, I've seen complaints about the way that taylor uses traits and how you know, in Laravel and how it's like bad practice and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's it's like a like a garden or something. You know, when you're walking through Laravel's trait usage versus the way that it was done with the Google Cloud SDK was basically use a trait to cut the line. You know, the number of lines down in this class. Oh gosh! So there yeah. was a trait that was just used in that one class, yeah, and right. it, it was just horrible. So there's more, more frustration than like any bugs or anything like that, but it's just something that, that I'm, I'm starting to see the end of the, the light. The other thing that really got me was that S3 and Google Storage both have like really in-depth granular security policies. So yeah. you can, you know, drill down and it can have read access or write access or read and write. In order for me to grant access to a user via the API to a single bucket, so basically a folder within Google Storage, mm -hmm. I must give the user admin access to storage, like to the whole of storage, just so that I can write to that one bucket. That's insane. Doesn't make any sense. It, it, do, it doesn't make any sense. And then the default permissions on a file when you upload via the API makes that file private, which means that the owner of the Google Cloud account like the global admin, then does not have access to read and write those files. They can delete them, but they can't read them. Oh, my word. Yeah, that <laughs> seems like a nightmare. Is it, not a, is it not an option for you guys to use S3? Or is it just cost uh, prohibitive? Or Yeah, it's more cost effective for us to use Google. And Google is going to have, they're basically ramping up their, their existing Australian presence to bring a lot of the Google Cloud stuff here. 
so that it would be based in Sydney so we don't have to use the east and west US regions. That makes sense, yeah. That would make way more sense, yeah. But yeah, even 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 though they're overseas at the moment, they are still much more cost-effective than what S3 are and they've mm. got presence in Sydney, so. Yeah, that would make sense. It might then. change in the future. Cool, yeah. Yeah, we get to, I get to use S3 here, which is, it's you know, it's pretty dang good. There's a lot of resources around it. Their yeah. documentation is pretty good and there's a lot of people who use it. So there's a lot of libraries and stuff out there to help yeah. you in Look, I mean, the Google it. stuff is is what they, they call a like API compatible with S3, but it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know, not very nice. Using Fly System to like put files on there, the Google storage is is fine, but we we have to set up things like object watches. So when someone uploads a file into to a storage bucket, it then sends a webhook to our system so that we can then kick off like a workflow to to download and transcode that file. Yeah, Fly System works great when you're just looking for basic read write operations yeah. for all that stuff. So like if you're looking to rewrite just very basic read write stuff in S3, and it's like you're storing uh, user profile photos or or whatever stuff like that. I, I don't yeah. mean to make it sound super trivial because it's very useful. I use it a lot. Yeah, but if you're needing to do like large uploads, like multi part uploads or things like that, it's not gonna it's not gonna cut it. You're needing, you're gonna need to use an SDK. Yeah, of some sort to get you the the pieces that you need to be able to set granular permissions and to be able to do some of the some of the bigger features that these uh, these platforms offer you. So anyway, yeah, food for thought. <laughs> we I had a guy Till man I'm gonna get his name wrong Cruz. Till Till Cruz 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 Cruz. Crust till crust. Yeah, he even sent me. He even sent me a YouTube pronunciation of it, and I was like, "Oh, I'll listen to that in a minute." Yeah, totally forgot. <laughs> till crust. Uh, he reached out to me, and he had heard us talking about on the podcast last week. David Hemphill's uh, beard. Uh, no, I say beard.css. It's just beard CSS. Yeah, kind of the atomic approach it takes to building out stuff or styling your HTML elements. And he had sent me in uh, Bootstrap four they have these spacing utilities. So they look really pretty similar to what I might have found in David Hemphill's framework. Mm -hmm. So you have like margin top, bottom, left, right. They use X and Y for like left and right and and then Y is for top and bottom. So you have margin and padding and then you have increments. So you have like zero, one, two, three, four, you have 0.25, 0.5, whatever. So you have all of those. And actually, no, I'm sorry. You don't have the points. You just have like zero, one, two, three, four, and five. And they increment by by kind of a weird way. So if you're set to, like if you say MT dash zero, that's margin top zero. If you say one, that does it by 0.25. If you say two, that does it by 0.5. If you do it to three, then that's one or something and then 1.5 and then three. So it uses like a, um, like a scale yeah. instead of just being like a straightforward, like one is equal to one M two is equal to two M yeah. three is equal to three M. It's a bit harder to reason about. Cause then you still have that situation where you have to think about, you know, what, what padding am I actually applying here? Correct. Correct. So I kind of like David Hemphill's better still. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that it's out there. So they're kind of taking some pieces from other, uh, frameworks that have been successful and, and and pull it in, which I'm totally great with. Like I said, I'm going to be using Bootstrap for for uh, a project I'm working on. Actually, consequentially, the one that I just deleted. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's happening. 
Mm. Let's talk about this real quick then. Uh, the other thing, two things I, I had on my list that I wanted to talk about. One is a cool app that I kind of found this week. Ian Landsman put out on Twitter this week a tweet that said, hey, what are you guys working on in Laravel? What are some of the things that you're developing? And a guy named Tommy Marshall actually has an app that he put out. It's, I think the uh, address is sametime.co. Did you see that? Or have you seen that? I did see it, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So the idea is it's group text reminders. So you set up a group. You say, hey, I want to create a new group. And um, let's say that you have four or five guys and girls that you're you're all committing to getting up 5.30 in the morning and you're going to read a book together, right? You're going to read Laravel Up and Running, Matt Stauffer's new book, right? Sure. So you're all going to get up at 5.30. You know that you don't have any other time during the day to do it except for then. So you set up a group and you put in their phone numbers and you put in their names and then it will send out a text and they reply one to join the group or zero to ignore it. And then as an administrator, you can see who's already replied and basically confirmed their phone number and who hasn't. And what it will do then is the next day it will send out a text message at 5.30 and it says like, don't be late to respond, you know, and then tag like uh, Laravel up and running reading group. Yep. And what you do is everybody will respond to that text and then after 10 minutes has gone by, it will say, here are the responses that I got and it'll it'll send to the group what the response was from each person or it'll say no response from Amy or, or Steve or Jake didn't show up or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like accountability for groups doing stuff together. It's pretty neat. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a really cool idea. I'm really liking the, like text to me feels like analog-ish. It feels less digital, right? There's no app to download. Yeah. I love that about it. It's just, it's accessible to everybody. It's just a text message. So yeah. um, I've been thinking about what could I do to make something with text messaging? I don't know. There's got to be something out there that's, that would be interesting that I could do. So yeah, it seems like a fun space. It's interesting that it's totally free this same time as well. Yeah. It's, I, yeah I mean, it doesn't, can... yeah, it doesn't look like they've only got a handful of followers on Twitter, so it's not like it's it's hit the big time. But I can imagine that getting very expensive very quickly if it winds up on a hack and news or something like that. Sure. So good luck. Yeah, to you got to be careful. I know you got to be careful on that bill. Um, I'm sure, but it's a good way of MVPing, right? Oh sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. don't worry about putting billing into the app. Just get the core functionality to work, and then you know figure out if you need to bill for it later. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, so with Markdown to Medium, that's kind of where I'm at too. The problem for me, like, who wouldn't like to make money off of their app, right? The yeah. problem for me is it's built on two free services. Yeah, it's built on GitHub, gist.github, which is free, yeah. whether it's private or public, and then it's built on Medium, which is free. So it's kind of hard to like charge, but at the same time, it's like you are saving people money. So for right now, it's just like I'm going to get it out there, see if people like it, see if people use it, and then uh, maybe once it's got some exposure, maybe yeah. I don't know, have like a donation button at the least or something. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, just to pay for the hosting each month. It's just nice to have something that you've made, that you've built, that you've put out there. It just feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I have one other thing I can talk about, but before I talk some more, which I've been talking a lot, sorry. Do you have anything you want to talk about? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, you know, the like Google thing, I just had to get off my chest. Yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. I've got two minutes, so I don't think it's worth it for me to get into this. What I wanted to talk about was managing state and view. Uh, so this may be a blog post that I do. This may be a talk that I do at some point, but this is something that I've kind of struggled with a little bit just because there are so many different options for managing your state in view. You can have state managed in a root instance with child uh, components. You can have you know parent-child component relationships where you manage state 
in the parent and, you know, and not in the root instance, you can have sibling components. How do you talk between those two? You can use Vuex or you can use their simple state management, or you can use a bus or, you know, there's a million different ways to accomplish the same thing. And one thing that I've really appreciated about Laravel, which has helped a lot of beginners get up and running with it is it's strong opinions. Yeah. Right. So by default, like it's assumed that you are using a MySQL database. It is assumed that you're going to use their migrations. It is assumed that you're going to use Eloquent. And therefore, the documentation can be not thin, but it very, it's very straightforward as far as like, this is how you do that. And I understand that, you know, Vuex is a complicated or can be like a complicated concept. So it needs a little bit more explanation. So I don't know, maybe just not, not to say that the documentation is lacking, but I just feel like it could take somebody who's coming in from the outside, AKA mm. me, because I'm not necessarily like a JavaScript guy. So who has like a beginner's eye on the thing to kind of take the torch and say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it my responsibility to explain this easily to people who are coming to it for the first time. Yeah. Like the, the, the general, the general consensus around Vuex is that like it's what you need to use or what you ought to use once you get to a certain size because it's easy to reason about. And I see that phrase a lot, and that's all well and good, and I understand that. But what, like, at what point do you draw that line that you need to start using Vuex? Yeah. For for a project that I'm working on at the moment, I've just been using simple state management and just because it works fine. A Vuex that will then, you know, is the next step where it globalizes that state management as yeah. opposed to having like an individual uh, state object for each component or series of components that tie together. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Just yeah. put it all in a win- window dot variable and get out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I started it with like, I started the application that I have right now with kind of simple state management where I have an object outside of both of the components that I'm using that kind of uses, you know, that manages the state between the two and they both listen to it. And that worked fine. Yeah. And then I had a situation where I was like, oh, I can just store this data in the root instance that's calling both of them. That'll work perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for part of it. And then I had another spot where I was like, well, I can't do it that way. I might need to use Vuex here. So at that point where I'm using a couple different pieces of state management, a couple different approaches to state management, it's kind of, it might be one of those things where it's just like, okay, I'm just going to use Vuex so that anybody who comes into this project after me kind of has a standard place to go look yep. for this is how this works instead of trying to figure out how I mangled it together. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for today and I have to run. So I am going to try and do this outro here. Here we go. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked the show, you can rate us up five stars on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, you can catch us at northmeetsouth.audio or at North South Audio on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah. Sweet. Look at that. First try. <laughs> uh, we would really appreciate if some of you guys would, uh, and girls, would submit questions. If you guys have questions online or things you'd like us to discuss, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. You can either um, tweet at North South Audio or you can hit me or Michael up on Twitter too. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Man, I say guys too much. Thanks for listening, folks, yeah. people. Folks. Folks. Y'all. All right. Michael, good talking Have to you, man. Enjoy the first Arvo of the uh, Trumpocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we could be here is all it, day. Has the inauguration happened yet? It was like it's done. two hours ago? It's done. Yep. Yeah. No one exercised their Second Amendment right? Uh, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. I mean, right. the right to keep right. bare arms. I mean, is that the one you're talking about, right? That's the one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm hoping for no violence. That'd be great. We have enough okay. of it. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, man. Good talking to you, buddy. We'll talk all to you right. soon. Have a good one. All right. Take it easy. Bye.